You probably already have an idea on who I'm talking about on both of these counts. One was the Apostle Peter. A man who was zealous for the Lord. He was committed to what was done. and He was faithful. But he made a mistake. The other was Judas. The man who betrayed the Lord to his death. But as we go through this, the reason we are discussing this very subject and the reason it's important to bring up these characters is they are lessons for us to learn today. To learn from the mistakes that they made, but also from the victories that they had. Because as we'll find out, the stories that we are going to see of these two men are not entirely cut and dry. They were human just like you and me. They made mistakes. They faltered. They came back. There were many examples that they could have turned their lives around, but... Let's look at this example, these two examples, and get down to what caused these decisions. Follow their lives up to the point where they made the, cru- the crucial decisions. So let's start off with Judas' guilt. Judas' guilt. If we are talking about the man Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed the Lord, and any people who have grown up in church or been around religion most of their lives, Judas is just a dirty word. There were some good men in the Bible by the name of Judas. But Judas Iscariot has stained that name. He has so tarnished what that person was. And we forget the fact that this was one of Jesus' closest friends. This is one of Jesus' followers, one of his apostles, one that was with him from the very beginning. See, Judas was one of the men that was hand-chosen by Jesus Christ. This man was not just immediately right off the bat, this evil villain that we see. He was one that God wanted at his side and gave him the same opportunities as all the others. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 4, we read his name when he came through and chose the men that would follow him for the rest of his life. (coughs) I've always wondered what it must have felt like for some of these men when they realized just exactly who Jesus was and to realize that I was hand-picked. Hand-picked to follow after the Lord, not only to listen to what He has to say, which would have been an honor in of itself, but to literally walk with Him. To travel with Him. Whenever He stops, I'm stopping. Whenever He starts, I'm going. See, in this day and age in the Jewish society, you would pick a teacher and you would follow after that man. You would try to imitate him as closely as possible. You would want to see what does he do on a daily basis. Let's see if his teaching matches up with his life. And they had a mentorship aspect to it. So when these men are with Jesus, it's not just that, oh, well, they would come out with him and they were like co-workers and every day they would see each other. No, this was, they ate together. They slept in the same places. They traveled together. The people that they met, they were all involved in this. They all would see the conversation that Jesus had aside from the moments where Jesus would remove himself. This man was in that crowd. This man was a part of that group, a close-knit group of individuals. They probably would have known more about each other than they maybe wanted to know about each other. I'm sure many of us have had an experience where you were at a camp or you went with a group of friends on a trip and you just realize that you don't know a person until you stayed in a hotel or you stayed in a cabin with a group of people. You don't really know them. <laughs> You've heard people say, never, never try to have a roommate that's your best friend because they won't be by the end of it. <laughs> but this situation, this was 12 strangers. 12 strangers from different walks of life. 
In fact, some of these men, we had Simon the Zealot, who would have been a modern-day terrorist for the Jewish state, trying to get rid of the Romans. We have Matthew, who's a tax collector, a Roman collaborator, and Jesus said, you're going to be on the same team. But then we have Judas. We have Judas, a man who was flawed to say the least, but one of Jesus' followers. You see, Judas' heart was committed to something that Jesus himself warned about. His heart was taken by riches. He was committed to wealth, to the use of wealth, to money, to getting it. He was a thief. Let's go ahead and look at the book of John. That's John chapter 12. And we're going to notice an example of this. This is an account that maybe some of us are familiar with. If we start earlier in the chapter around verse 3, we see that Jesus is in Bethany. And Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Notice this. This is where Judas comes in. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. We see where Judas' heart was. He said, well, why couldn't we have sold this oil? Why, why was it wasted like this? You see the problem here? When Mary used that ointment and broke that ointment open, first of all, that was an investment in of itself. For our sake, three, a denarii, the amount of that, you're talking about a vastly expensive ointment. These people would have been looking at this and saying, what are you doing with that? That is a precious commodity, and you just wasted it, anointing the feet of Jesus. Think about what Judas just said there. He was not keeping in focus just who Jesus was. When Mary broke that ointment and poured it over Jesus' feet, she was saying, you are worth royalty. You are to be treated as though you are the most important man on earth because the reality is you are. But Judas was focused on the wrong thing. He had followed a wrong God. His heart was wholly given to wealth, to the idea of gathering wealth. He was a thief. So much so that he did not value the Lord. Just for illustration's sake, how much did Jesus, how much did Jesus raise for, uh, for Judas when he sold him? Wasn't it 30 pieces of silver? The cost of a wounded slave? Judas sold Jesus for less than he was worried about with that money. Less than that vial was worth. Where do you think his heart belonged? You see, Judas was with Jesus. He was around this man. He heard the teaching. He would have been around all the sermons that Jesus taught. So why, why did this happen? Let's see another example of what Judas would have heard from the Lord. Let's look at the book of Matthew. That's Matthew chapter 19. Specifically, we're going to be starting in verse 21. 
We've, many of us have probably heard this story before, the rich young ruler, but let's see what happens here. He says, starting in verse 20, The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Remember, Jesus told him to keep the law, to follow after the things that were said, and he's bragging. You can almost see him popping the collar. He said, All these things I've done since I was young. What, what else you got? What other ideas can you throw at me? What other ideas can I mat or put in my life so that I can be more perfect? But what does he say? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Verse 22, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I read that passage and I just have to wonder if at the end of Judas's life, if he remembered that sermon. If he remembered that point when the man rejected Jesus because he had too much care for money. Too much of a heart that was consumed by the riches of this world. Remember we said the disciples followed him. The disciples would have heard that sermon. They would have heard what Jesus said to this rich young man. And remember, at this day and age, this was a very difficult time to be talking against rich people. Because according to Jewish philosophy, if you were wealthy, it was because God blessed you. Because God puts you in that position. So obviously, if you have a lot of money, you must be a really righteous man. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples that it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven? And how did Peter respond to that? Well, who then can be saved? Because in Peter's mind, Jesus just said the most righteous people on earth can't get to heaven. So what am I supposed to do? I have to wonder if Judas remembered this. If while Judas is in the process of betraying his Lord, he remembered the haunting words of Jesus saying, there's one thing you lack. There's one thing that's amiss here. What is my riches? What is my thing that I hold on to that separates me from God? That puts me to the point where I'm willing to betray Him by my words. Where I'm willing to reject Him by my actions. Where my thoughts are far from Him. What is the thing that I hold on to? This is what Judas was faced with. His heart was fully committed to these riches. So much so that it brought him to betray the man he had dedicated his life to follow. When Judas decided to follow after Christ, he was making a decision that I am going to live my life to imitate you. I want to do everything that you do. I want what you have. I want to be like you, Jesus. But not three years after he makes this decision, he's turning that very being in. That very man who he had grown to be friends with, he was betraying. Now maybe in Judas's heart, he was thinking, well, this is Jesus. This is the man who can walk on water and calm the storm. Surely I can get this money from him and he can handle a few Pharisees. Maybe that was his thought. We don't know. 
All we know is that his heart was so committed to greed that he turned in the Lord. You see, the fascinating thing about history is it doesn't remember your intentions, it remembers your actions. It doesn't remember what I meant to say or what I meant to do. It remembers what we said and what we did. And this is all that's known of Judas, that he betrayed the Lord. And it's fascinating when you go throughout the Bible, especially the gospel accounts, and when they have reference to Judas, oftentimes the apostles wrote Judas, he who would betray Christ. Do you think the apostles, when they were writing this down, were not reliving this? Maybe some of them were thinking at the moment, they're saying, why didn't we see that he was like that? Why didn't we do something or say something? Why didn't we kick him out of the group? But Jesus stayed with him to the end. See, Jesus was willing to have Judas around up until the point where Judas refused to repent. The same is true for you and for me. See, we can look at Judas and we can say, that evil man, that, that hard-hearted, wicked man. But what about me? What about the things that I do that put me far from God? What about the decisions that I make that are not Christ-like? The lesson of Judas, ironically so, is one of hope. Because just as Judas was able to stay close to the Lord, we can stay close to the Lord. Where Judas failed was he did not accept what God had offered. When he got to the end, he decided to continue to reject God. But let's keep going with this. Let's see what happens here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. That's Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 47. Whenever you read this passage about the Garden of Gethsemane, at least for my sake when I read it, it's one that's almost painful to read. Not necessarily just because of the fact that this is Jesus' betrayal, but because it's just a dreaded account. You're going through and you're hearing the wonderful teachings of Christ. You're hearing all these great things that are happening. You hear Jesus' enemies failing at every turn to stop Him. But it's as if the tone got dark. It's as if the glory of everything that's happening just went out. Even though we are moments away from the greatest moment in human history, it's dark. Because we're about to see all this that Jesus had built, all the good that had been done, it's going to look like the enemy just won. But let's start in verse 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus, saying, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew a sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. 
for the disciples, it might seem at this moment that this is it. This is it. This is the final battle. We're going to stand, and probably in Peter's mind, that's what he was thinking. He says, okay, we've been prepping for this. We don't have enough swords for this, but we've prepped for this. We know this is going to happen, and he's ready to fight. There might have been some confusion where Judas comes out of the trees, comes to Jesus, and kisses him on the cheek, and maybe the disciples are like, oh, I wonder where he's been all night. And the soldiers... And in the confusion, this is what happens, but then Jesus takes that ear and puts it back on the high priest's servant, and the disciples scatter. They flee. They run from this. What are we doing? He's turning himself in willingly. He's supposed to be the king. You can almost see the panic. When we go over to the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 22, we see another addition to this account, another detail. One thing we know about the author Luke is that he does oftentimes add more detail and focuses more on what all is happening and the little things. But let's notice what happens again in verse 47. And while he was still speaking, talking to his disciples, behold a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? What happens when we put those two passages together? Judas comes up to Christ, kisses him on the cheek, and Jesus, with those two phrases together, says, Friends, or friend, why have you come? Are you here to betray me with a kiss? Are you betraying, are you seriously betraying me with a sign of friendship? A sign of companionship. And with this, you're going to turn me over. Adds a new element of heartbreak to the story. You see what's happening here. Jesus' heart is breaking, watching his friend make this decision. Yes, Jesus knew it was going to happen. In fact, he told Judas that which thou do, do quickly. He knew this was going to happen. He knew that Judas was making this decision, but here he was betraying his friend. For what? A meager reward. We look at that and we say, how could he make such a bad deal? Why would he make such a rotten deal to give up the Lord for such a small amount? But friends, there are many who have left the Lord behind for less. Judas had every opportunity to repent. Yes, Judas betrayed Christ, but do you not think that Christ would have let him back? Would have welcomed him back to the fold if Judas was penitent? Let's look at Matthew chapter 27. That's Matthew chapter 27. We're going to be focusing on verse 3. Judas, then Judas' betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. 
Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Do you not think that Judas felt guilt for what he did? That he looked at this and said, this is it. Christ is dead. I betrayed him. He's a dead man walking right now. I did that. This is my fault. So much so that he takes that money and he brings it back to the chief priest, but he realizes by that, I can't make this right. I can't fix this. Bringing the money back isn't going to stop what's happening. The chief priest is as if they laugh in his face. They say, what, what is this to us? It's your money. Do what you want to with it. We've got what we want. Imagine this turn of events. What if Judas had thrown that money at their feet and gone out and wept and prayed bitterly like Peter did? What if he had gone out and said, Lord, I am sorry, I have betrayed you. When Jesus rose from the dead on that third day and reappeared to the disciples, do you not think he would have come to Judas just the same as the others? Was Judas the only one that had rejected Christ? Was Judas the only one that had turned against him? Where were the rest of the disciples? We really only read of two being anywhere near him during the trial event, and we only read of one at the cross. Where were his disciples? They all betrayed him. They all fled. They all ran. They all rejected him. But Judas gave up. Judas gave up on everything. He was so ridden by guilt that he ended God's precious gift of life. See, Judas allowed his guilt to overcome him and chose his fate. So what makes Peter any different? What makes him different than this? And the reality is, that one word. There's a difference in guilt and penitence. There's a difference in those two things. You see, Peter understood he had rejected God because he was there from the beginning as well. He was handpicked just like Judas was. He was one of the twelve disciples. He lived with Christ. He ate with Christ. He traveled with Christ. He would have been close friends with the others. He was committed to the cause just as any of them were. And his heart was dedicated to Christ. Let's look at John chapter 6. That's John chapter 6. And let's look at verse 66. We just read of Jesus teaching a great multitude of people and they all leave. But let's read this. Verse 66. From that time many of His disciples went back and walked with Him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Ask them a simple question. Here's your opportunity. You can go. All these others have left. Why are you staying? Notice what happens. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. We know in another passage that Jesus talks to Peter in that moment and tells him upon this rock, the confession that I am Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. But think about what Peter just said. Who are we going to go to? What better option is there out there? Judas's mistake was thinking there was a better option. I can have the riches, and the riches will guarantee me a good life. Peter said, there's no life out there that's better than yours. There's no teaching that's better than that of Christ. He was dedicated. But Peter fled. Peter fled from and denied the Lord. Let's look at Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, specifically in verse 50. It's a very simple passage, but look at those words. Then they all, they all forsook him and fled. Even the one who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where else can I go? Who else can I go to? But he fled. Just like the others, he denied the Lord. But Peter also had the opportunity to repent. See, Peter's rejection of God doesn't just stop there. He came back. He came back to see what happened to the Lord. Let's look in Matthew chapter 26. Starting in verse 69. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, that This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came, and came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, who said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Let's not miss the significance of what just happened here. Peter did not just deny him once, did not just deny him twice. He denied him three times, but there's a little bit more to the picture here. What does it say he did? He cursed and swore. He changed his way of talking so as not to look like one of Jesus' followers. He was trying to change everything about his identity to be as far removed from Jesus as he possibly could be. Judas's sin was brought about by greed. Peter's sin was brought about by fear. Both had the same result. 
both had the same result. Jesus was still on trial. Jesus was still going to die, and they both forsook him. At this point in the story, Peter is no better off than Judas. At this point, they are on the same playing field. This is the moment. This is what we were talking about at the beginning. The moment where the the hero has to decide what's going to happen next. They have a choice before them. Judas made his decision. What's Peter going to do? See, Peter could see the guilt of what he had done. It says he went out and wept bitterly, so he had guilt just like Judas did. He could have left this behind and said, this is not worth it. The fear, the stress, the anger, all it's not worth it. He also could have made the same decision that Judas did and said, I don't want this life anymore. But Peter chose his fate. Yes, he had a little bit of a moment. He went out and said, I go fishing. He goes back to his old life. He said this, it's all over. Jesus is gone. But in John chapter 21, Jesus comes back to him and offers him another opportunity. And what do we see Peter do? When Peter realizes this is Christ, he doesn't just go back to Christ. It says in the passage, after he brought in that massive amount of fish, it says he dove into the water and swam to Jesus. He said, this boat ain't fast enough. (laughs) My Lord and my God is right here. And what do we see him doing in Acts chapter 2? And then Peter stood up with the eleven and preached the first gospel sermon. Same story, different ending. Judas could have been one of the eleven on the day of Pentecost. He chose to reject God. What about me? Friends, the story of Judas and Peter is not one that we could not live as well. If we've named the name of Christ, we are following after Him. We are one of His disciples. Opportunities to sin will come up regularly. We have every opportunity in the world to reject God and to live life however we want to. We might be motivated by our greed, motivated by our fear. But what will I do with it? What is my choice going to be? Only you can answer that for yourself. I could make a statement just like Joshua did at the end of the book of Joshua where he stands up before all the people of Israel and says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or I can reject him. I can be just like Judas and end separated from God for all eternity. Or I can be like Peter and be with him the day he ascends to heaven. What is your choice? If you're not a member of the Lord's church, I'm afraid your choice is made for you right now. 
But you can change the path. You can change the outcome this very evening. He made the plan available for you and for me. If we hear the word, believe it to be true, confess or repent of all of our past sins, confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, we can be baptized into Christ, raised to walk in newness of life, living our lives with Him for all eternity. Or, if we are a member of the Lord's church, we've done all that He has asked of us up to this point, but maybe we, just like Judas, allowed something else to come in the way. Allowed something else to start calling the shots. He wants you to come home. He doesn't want you to make the same mistake as Judas. He wants you to make the decision like Peter. If you have any need, anything that is separating you from Christ this very evening, don't hesitate. Don't wait for a more convenient day. Come now as together we stand as we sing.